Alrighty, chapter 15. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honour your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father and mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that he might have... um, if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to honour their father or mother with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their, teachers, uh, their teachings are merely human rules." Jesus called the crowds to him and said, Listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile him, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? He replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. And Peter said, explain this parable to us. Are you still so dull, Jesus asked them. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from their heart and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony and slander. These are what defiles a person. But eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. Hello. Well, what is wrong with you? I don't know if you've asked that question lately, but I definitely have. Um, Two weeks ago, I saw this footage of this guy, the Christchurch shooter. He goes to the back of his car, he grabs his gun and he says, let's get this party started. And I said, what is wrong with you? What brings someone to do that? I feel like every week though, there's things on the news that you just say, what's going on? Like parents killing their kids, young kids. What's wrong with you? But we ask it about people closer to us, don't we? Because people at school, um, our so-called friends, right, they stab us in the back, there's betrayal, we're being lied to, even in our own families. It might not be as hectic as the news story, but we're still left asking, what is wrong with you? And I think if we reflect on ourselves enough, it's just as bad. Have you asked this question recently? What is wrong with me? Because I do things I know I should and I hurt people I know I never wanted to. What is wrong with me? And maybe you thought that becoming a Christian, it would fix that. But you're still asking, why am I still struggling with this? Shouldn't this have stopped by now? What's wrong with me? Or maybe you're just thinking, I'm different, you know, I'm pretty good. So maybe it's just all us that's got the problem and we need to be more like you because you try hard enough. Is that the problem? Do we, we just don't try hard? Well, tonight, 
This passage offers hope because it shows us the problem. And if we know the problem, we can see the solution. So let's pray that God would help us as we look at His Word tonight. Father, thank You that You are the God who speaks. Lord, would You help us to have ears to listen. In Jesus' name, Amen. Alright, what's wrong with you? So maybe you do think, you do think that we just don't try hard enough. Well, in this passage, Jesus goes head to head, right? With these people, they think exactly that, the Pharisees. Yeah, you know, there's kind of been some history between these two groups before. Jesus has called them out for their cruelty and these guys have called Jesus the devil twice and these guys now want to kill Jesus. History, all right. Um, but this isn't any Pharisees, all right? This is a particular group. Have a look at verse 1, chapter 15. These Pharisees are from Jerusalem. They're the big dogs, yeah? And they don't think they have a problem. They're like, nothing's wrong with us. We try hard, really hard. We follow rule after rule after rule. And surely these guys are right. These are the Pharisees. These are the guys that would help the old lady cross the road. These are the guys that are the religious doctors of Jesus' day. You want some help? You want guidance? You go to these guys. Surely they know. But are they right? Do do we just need to try harder? Well, Jesus says no. The problem with us is that people are pretenders. If, If you're trying hard, it's actually, Jesus says, it's just an act. Check it out, um, halfway through verse 6 there, chapter 15, verse 6, it says, Thus, you nullify the Word of God for the sake of your tradition, all their rules they follow. You hypocrites! Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain, useless. Their teachings are merely human rules. Did, did Jesus just say that? To, to the Pharisees? These are the spiritual doctors. Jesus says, you are hypocrites, actors, pretenders. They claim to be something. They claim to have it sorted spiritually. They claim to be close to God. But actually, verse 8, have a look. Their hearts are far from me. We we don't actually see what people are really like, do we? We can think or have people think that I'm something, but I'm really something else. Uh, and social media, I reckon, actually heaps, the, it's worse for this, right? Because you look at someone's life on a screen and you make judgments about them. Um, we might want to be them or we might hate them just because of something they post, but you don't see reality scrolling through Instagram, do you? Like, in this world where we are far more connected with people than we ever have been before, we're actually far more disconnected, aren't we? We make judgments on people, good or bad, based on photos they post. But, but we are pretenders. And, and we hide ourselves, even behind our screens. It's good to know that, though, because how else would we build actual relationships if we didn't know that? Actually work through problems with people, actually understand people, actually getting to know people. 
if we are pretenders, it's helpful to know because it means we need to dig deep if we're going to have real relationships and know people. But the, the disciples are just completely shocked at what Jesus said. Did, did Jesus just say the Pharisees are fake? Jesus, really? Their hearts? Their hearts are far from God? Look at verse 12, catch this horror. Verse 12, then the disciples came to him and asked, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? Yes, disciples, I know. I just called them hypocrites, all right? I called them pretenders. I know I offended them. But do you catch the disciples' horror? If these guys are wrong, then we're all stuffed. Have you guys heard of the 1950s? It's like just a little bit after the dinosaurs, right? Like, um, so check out this cigarette ad from the 1950s, right? More doctors smoke camels than any other cigarette. Doctors promoted cigarettes back then, all right? They were actually considered good for your health. Wrong, all right? Imagine being one of the first people, though, to realise that cigarettes kill people. It, it would have been hard to say. Because to say that the doctors are wrong, that's like saying everyone's wrong. That's exactly what is happening here with Jesus. The Pharisees are wrong. That's massive. But, but it's worse. These guys aren't just wrong. They're wrong about the most important thing. They genuinely think that they're right with God, but their hearts are far. They think their worship is pleasing to God, but it's useless. God hates it. They think they're leading people to God, but they're leading people to hell. And if these guys are wrong, what hope is there for anyone? So verse 14, leave them. Verse 14, leave them. They are blind guides. If the blind leave the blind, both will fall into a pit. These are, they're supposed to be the guides for God's people, the leaders. But they're blind. They are wrong. And so they're wrong. We're all stuffed. If they are pretenders... We are all pretenders. And I think some of us here tonight, possibly you're a major pretender. So you, you really actually desperately need to hear this warning. God knows your heart. He, he doesn't care what people think you're like. He cares what you're actually like. If you're one thing at youth and something completely different with your other mates, God sees. You can't fool Him. You might be able to convince your youth leader, but God knows your heart. Stop pretending. You, you can try and get away with it in this life, but you'll end up paying for it for all eternity. Even if you aren't a major pretender though, we do all pretend. So, how, I wonder how you would feel if your G-team knew all your secrets, right? The hidden, the hidden sin. We don't, want, we don't actually want people to know what we're really like, because we're repentant pretenders. I think sometimes you look around at youth and other places, churches, and you look around and think, this is a room full of perfect people. But no, we're not. It's actually a room full of broken sinners. So why does it look like that? Because it's a room full of pretenders. The truth is we are actually all hypocrites that hide who we really are. But we don't have to. We can actually live with an audience of one, God. And that's freedom. 
I don't have to care, there's another slide there, I don't have to care what people think of me. When, when you live with an audience of one, you're free to do what's right, even if it will make you unpopular. Even if you offend people like Jesus did here, I'm free to do it if it's right and the loving thing to do. Living with God as my audience means I'm free to do what's right even if it's not popular. And I'm free to be honest about my sin. I don't have to hide what I'm really like because God knows the filth of my heart better than anyone does, better than I do, and He still sent Jesus for me. He still loves me. I'm free to be honest about my sin so I can get the help from Christians I trust. When you live with the audience of one, it's freedom to stop being a pretender. So live for an audience of one. What's the problem with us? The problem is that humans, me, you, we're pretenders. Okay, so religion... That doesn't work, rules don't work, so I just got to try hard to be more honest. That's what I got to do. But actually, the situation gets a whole lot worse. We can't actually fix this. You might think you can, but the second thing we're going to see that Jesus says tonight is that we can't fix this because we are evil at core. I think most people probably think we're pretty good, yeah? Most people think that if there is a God, He'd probably accept me, but What do you reckon Jesus thinks? Well, you don't have to wonder, because have a look at verse 17. It says this, Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these things defile them, make them unrighteous, make them unclean. For out of the heart come evil thoughts murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. The problem is your heart. Now, now hopefully your heart's kind of beating fine, getting the blood around and you're still kicking along. Um, But when Jesus talks about the heart, He's talking about our centre, who we are, our emotions, our thoughts, our feelings, yeah? He, He can, um, you can, here you can see too though, in that verse, that The heart is what drives everything. Thoughts, words, action, it comes from the heart. Jesus says though, your heart is evil. You won't actually stop being able to be, so you won't actually be able to stop being a pretender if your heart's evil. Everything you do comes from the heart. If your heart is evil, that's bad news. Um, Have you guys seen those cars that get around uh, and someone's just spent way too much money on it, right? Like, a little bit like this one. So, um, now, when your car is trash, but you're modified anyway. So, that's kind of a joke, because no one would actually do that. But you do see these cars, they're like, like dodgy old Corolla, like mine or something. But someone's just spent a stupid amount of money on it, like new wheels, body kit, some loud sound system. And you're just like, why? It might last you at trip to your school and back but you're better off putting a sticker on your bike because the car is like an old bomb right it's worth nothing it's stupid why would you waste your money the engine's the important thing spend your money on that don't worry about the mad rims you've got but is that you we might do a lot of work on the outside so that we look good follow rules do the right thing but if your heart's an old bomb 
the show you put on is pointless. If you think you can just try harder to get right with God, it won't work. Christians, we're not people that try really hard to please God. That doesn't work. The very centre of who we are is broken. If you're broken, you can't fix your brokenness. Where might your evil heart take you? Imagine what you could become. You you need to get this sorted. What's wrong with you? You're a pretender with an evil heart. There's our diagnosis from Jesus. Jesus has shined the light on the problem. We are hopelessly broken and we can't do anything. Is there any hope? Well, not if we try and fix ourselves. But the last thing we're going to see tonight is that there is hope for those with faith. Come over to the next little section, um, chapter 15, verse 22. Jesus has just been approached by um, a woman from a place that makes her an enemy of God's people. If, if the Pharisees, the leaders of God's people, if they couldn't get it right, what hope does this enemy have? Yeah? But she's desperate. Have a look at verse 22. So a Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. Take it easy. No, she doesn't go that. She's got a bigger problem than Sean Mendes, right? She says, my daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. And at first, Jesus just actually, as you read this, Jesus just ignores her. Because Jesus' mission is to God's people first, not to these people. But she persists. She's desperate and she sees that Jesus is able to do something about it. So how does Jesus end up responding? Have a look at verse 28. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Jesus, impressed by her faith, heals her daughter. She she saw Jesus for who He was and she saw that she could do something and she pleaded with Him to help. That's faith. Seeing Jesus for who He is. We've been seeing this actually throughout Matthew. Faith gets you on side with the King. Faith is depending on Jesus. But Jesus, He doesn't fix our heart here, does He? Jesus, Jesus shows us the problem though so that we would depend on Him like this woman does. But her heart's still broken, isn't it? Well, yes. But Jesus is exposing this problem because He's going to do something about it. Um, I want to come back to Ezekiel 36. It's going to come up on the screen there for us. This is a promise given hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus. And this is what it says. It says, I will sprinkle clean water on you. This is God speaking. I will give you a new heart. That's what I need. And, and put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You will be my people and I will be your God. This is the promise of a new heart. And who does the work? It's God speaking. It says, I will, I will, I will. 
God is doing this work. That's good news because if the heart's the problem, I can't fix it. I need someone to do it for me. A new heart given by someone else. That's the solution. Jesus has come and He has turned the lights on. He is saying, look, you are stuffed. And it's offensive, isn't it? But, but He cuts deep because we have a deep problem. You, your hearts are evil. There's no hope unless, unless you follow Him. Jesus isn't giving a motivational speech, yeah? He isn't saying, come on guys, you can do this. No, what good is that if my heart's evil? No, Jesus is saying, I'll fix it. I can give you a new heart. There is hope for those with faith. Religion cannot fix your heart. Trying hard can't fix your heart. But Jesus can. When you put your faith in Him, you're saying, I can't make myself right with God, but Jesus, you can. You did it on the cross. When when God's anchor was poured out on you instead of me, Jesus, you can. You you lived life with a perfect heart. And when I trust you, your heart's counted as mine. Faith says, I can't, but Jesus, you can. Uh, Has anyone here been bogged before, like four-wheel driving? Okay, I've been bogged and I've been bogged like pretty bad, right? So once in year 12, I borrowed my dad's car and me and a bunch of mates after youth, we went away for the weekend and we're four-wheel driving and we're doing the classic thing, driving along, bum, 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 yeah, all good. Um, And but then we got to this spot, right? And I can see this like grass, it's kind of like growing up, it's like real green and real long, it kind of looks like a reed. And I'm saying to the guys in my car, I'm like, is that a swamp? And my mate just goes, just floor it. So I did. And I hit the accelerator. I was like, go, 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 go. Stop still, right? And I, I step out of my car and just sunk to my knee in mud, all right? I was proper stuck. This was bad. It was not good. I was just stressing out, how am I going to pay for this? My dad's going to kill me, all this stuff. But Peter Brown was close by, right? Now, if you don't know Peter Brown, you're about to know a lot about him, all right? So I called him, because he was nearby, and I just said, Pete, I need your help, and he just laughed at me and said, I'm going surfing, and I was like, oh, no. But then he said, I'll come get you after. I was like, oh, relief, this is going to be okay. And so heaps of cars, though, came past, and like, proper four-wheel drives, because we're right next to the road in a swamp, but um, and lots of cars try and help, and they're just like, oh, no, you're stuffed. Um, but then Peter got here, and Peter Brown did what Peter Brown does, right? He just, like, rocks up, like, assess the situation, oh, yeah, I'll just back up there, strap you up, and just rip you out, all right? Um, And he did it. He actually rescued us. And that's exactly what we need to happen if we have any hope at being right with God. If your your heart's evil, you need a new heart because you are spiritually bogged. But there is a Saviour. If you're actually bogged, call Peter Brown, right? But if you're spiritually bogged, Put your faith in Jesus, depend on Him. Have you trusted Jesus? If you haven't, why not? Uh, You are in great need of a Saviour and there is a great Saviour who can meet your need.
He can fix this problem. Trust Him. And if you have, never leave Him. Well, why would you? What could possibly be worth losing for losing this king? Nothing. Nothing would be worth it. It's not even worth flirting with anything or anyone that could pull me away from this Saviour. But there, there is a more subtle way of leaving Jesus, yeah? And th- this, might, this might be you now, it might be you a little bit further down the cr- track in Christian life, but you'll think this, Jesus has saved me, but, but now I need to prove myself to God. No, you can't. You, you will never lose your need for a Saviour. It would be like me trying to push this car out of that. It's not going to happen, I can't do it. I can never make myself good enough for God. But often it happens when we fail, yeah? We, or it might just be that we just keep caring about what people think of us or you stuff up another friendship or you look at pornography again. When you fail, here's what an evil heart will want to do. It will say, I feel guilty. God, God couldn't accept me now. I've blown it way too many times. I need to make it up to Him. That's not true. If you find yourself thinking that, you need to preach the gospel to yourself. Matt, are you crazy? You could never make it up to Him. You could never get yourself out of that mud. Matt, are you crazy? Jesus did it. What are you thinking? You don't need to prove yourself to God. Jesus presents you perfect before God. The response of faith would say this, Lord, I've blown it again. I can't do this. I can't live perfectly. But Jesus did. Father, thank you that Jesus did it for me. And and as we do that, the Bible promises that we will grow. Uh, As we look to Jesus, our Saviour, we will be made more like Him. I want to show you one last verse. Come over to 2 Corinthians 3. It'll come up on the screen if you don't want to flick there. 2 Corinthians 3, 18. It says this, And we all, who with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image, with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, there's a lot in that verse, but... As we contemplate the Lord's glory, we are transformed into His image. So, So God can transform us, not by being perfect and trying hard to make ourselves right with God, but by contemplating the Lord's glory. That's what that verse says, which it's just another way of saying having faith, isn't it? Looking to Jesus, seeing Him for who He is, that's what saves us and that's what actually transforms us. It's just the gospel from start to end. I've got four thoughts that I think might be helpful in applying this stuff and then we're done. Uh, So these aren't rules or steps because Jesus just showed us that that would be stupid. Um, Only faith makes us more like Jesus. So here are some thoughts on seeing Jesus for who He is, having faith. Have a look at these. Um, The first one is pray. Transformation comes from God. He'll give us a new heart. You can't do this, so you must, you must ask God to help. It would just be crazy not to, wouldn't it? Knowing that He does it. The second thing is to forget the rules. They don't work. Um, You don't earn God's favour 
by doing a certain list of things. Jesus earned God's favour completely for you. Depend on Jesus, not on rules. Third one is, think about Jesus. Let's be honest, actually. Um, I'll come back to that one. Be honest. Be honest with a Christian who will help you look at Jesus. Yeah? We, we all want to be pretenders, but it's actually freeing to live honestly. It actually helps you to work through your sin. The last one, think about Jesus. He, he is able, yeah? He, he has done it for us. Christian life is all about looking to Jesus, to know and learn more of who Jesus is. So, so read God's Word. Not, not because if you don't, God will be angry. That will be making a rule. But read it because God has given us a great gift in His Word. His Word actually fuels us to see more of who Jesus is and to live for Him. Uh, and I would just say quickly that maybe you have done stuff like this before, not that these are a list of things, but you're like thinking, yeah, I'm trying and I'm still struggling. Um, first thing is keep going. Christian life is a marathon, not a sprint. But maybe it would be helpful to see a psychologist. Um, that's not because you're weird or different. Lots of Christians do this. I've done this. Um, they won't give us a new heart, but they are super helpful at making you aware of your heart and so you can work through sin and work through the sin you're struggling with. And I just want to, there's a prayer that's going to come up here as well. And this is helpful in a moment of temptation, yeah? There might not be a prayer. I might have forgot to put it in the slides. That's all right. Um, here it is. I'll read it out to you really slow and you might want to write this down or you can tweak it. You can do what it, you want with it. Uh, it says, Father, a part of me wants to do this sin. It looks attractive and left to myself, even not trying to, I will do it. But by your Spirit, do a work of grace in me. Help me to trust what Jesus has done to save me. Help me see your way as good and this sin as ugly. If that wasn't slow enough, I can read it to you later. But I've found that so helpful in a moment of temptation because it helps me see Jesus and what He's done for me again. It helps me trust His Word that it's good for me. Um, so, we are actually all pretenders. We are evil at core, but there is hope for those with faith. There is hope because Jesus can do what we can't. So let's pray and continue to trust Him and be transformed like Him. I'll pray in a moment, but this, this book is heaps helpful, yeah? I, I read this just last year, actually, and I found it really, really helpful. It's called You Can Change. I'm pretty sure you could grab it at the bookstore. Um, yeah, have a read of this, it's great. It just, it's just showing us that the gospel is the thing that transforms us. It's not something else. We don't move on from Jesus. But let's pray now um, and then we can chat more about this stuff later. All right. Father, help us see how desperately we need you. And Father, would you help us to see how great our Saviour is? Would you make us more like your Son? Would you help us to turn to Jesus when we fail? In Jesus' name, amen.